This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gorin from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week. The Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. Welcome back. Episode 58 of the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Rowland. Boys, what's going on Sunday night? Sunday night, man. I'm still fired up. That was a phenomenal. We got a great interview coming up for you guys with uh, Bob Jeffries. And man, I'm just licking my wounds from my gambling and fantasy this weekend. It has been a rough one for your boy. So <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. What's up, Rob? What's going on? Yeah, Dan already teased the guest, but man, this guy's He's a must listen. He he is full of passion and and zest. He, he he was awesome. Yeah, I don't know if I'm jumping the jumping to the gun here and saying that's my favorite, but I will say it was the most fired up I've been during listening to someone. He's just man, so much enthusiasm, like just passion for this stuff. So really cool. And here's the thing too, like I, I always get that we always talk about the Sunday scares. We usually record on Sunday night. I'm here sitting here, you know, feeling sorry for myself and just like you know, and just to hear him just kind of go talk about what he talked about and hear the dedication and drive just shut the fuck up Dan. like just be better like be like this dude and and i think we could all learn a lot from bud yeah i agree before we talk about workouts let's talk about your fantasy losses because that's something everyone loves (laughs) oh dude i mean i need a separate podcast to complain about the orioles my golf game my fantasy and my sports gambling because it's just it's just a disaster you know any way you look at it but man where do we start here i mean first first of all i had the packers and every which way you could have the packers Like any, any, oh, and, and, and they were like started, it was starting. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. It was a terrible fantasy. What what else can I say? It sucked. All right. Everyone everyone sucked. Everyone sucked. (laughs) Everyone sucked. Rob, give me something good in the gym this week. I kind of took it easy this week. It was just trying to let my body recover. You know, I didn't just, there's nothing happening here. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So. Uh, I got back to lifting this. I've been doing the bike every week, so that doesn't change. I'm tired of talking about the bike. So I started squatting this week and I went back to low bar for probably the first time in like three years because my high bar squat is just so much weaker than low bar. And I just come to the realization that I'm not built for high bar squatting. Like I got longer legs. Like I just hit a threshold where I can get to like 400 and that's it. I put it to low bar this week and I was hitting five reppers with weight. That was like, I was doing singles and doubles with, with, with high bar. Oh, nice. Feel and it felt good. You jumped right back into it. Do you think the bike's making your legs stronger at all? No, I don't think there's any carry over there. I think it's just that bar in that lower position just lets me sit in my hips and get away from my, my weak quads. Awesome. 
Love that. Are you doing all your lifting at home? Or are you doing? Yeah, that's the other realization. It's got a little chilly here. It's like dropping in the forties at night. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do this winter, man. I don't. I don't have enough clearance in this basement to to lift down here. So this COVID keeps going on this current trend. I'm gonna be bundling up to lift outside all winter. It's gonna be. It's gonna be rough. That sucks, Dan. Give us something. What'd you hit? You had a couple fun ones this week. I thought. Yeah, I did. I wanted to share, did a couple four mile runs. I had my son all weekend. My wife was at a bachelorette party with your sister, actually, for my sister. Everyone's getting married. My little sister's getting married. So all the wedding festivities, so I was with Max. So a couple four mile runs with Max. That was good shit. And then Rob gave me a good one. It was a kettlebell clean workout. So use my 62 pound kettlebell, one squat, one clean, and then one squat on the right arm, and then one clean, one squat with the left arm. And then two and two and then three and three all the way up to 10 and try to hit it in a 15 minute block. And I got through the right. I've realized a significant discrepancy between my right and left because that right side was so damn easy. And that took me every bit to get through that left side and almost so I didn't wasn't able to complete the last 10 squats. So I hit the cleans like three different times. So I, I finished everything on the right side in about 12 minutes and the left side. I just cannot hold that damn kettlebell up to get the squats. My forearms suck. So. A lot of work to do there, but that That's was good a great to work. do though. A great workout, Rob. Fucking awesome. Cause like you, you fail it. And Rob's like stipulation was if you drop the kettlebell, <laughs> you can't progress. So to hold it in that front rack when you're tired and, and you have a, an asymmetrical weakness was a phenomenal workout. I highly suggest that workout to anybody. So it's really, really good stuff, man. So here, here's the problem with text is that's not what I wanted at all. I'm glad you got a good workout out of it, but that was not my intention. So the way. Uh, let me, I'll give it the quick explanation. And as, as somebody, as somebody who's followed your programming for a while, there, there's a lot to be desired in the speci- specificity department. I'll, I'll right. put it that way. So the, the idea was you pick up the bell with your right hand, you do one clean, one squat, then you do two cleans, two squats, three cleans, three qu- squats, and then put the bell down. Then do the same thing with your left arm. 10 times on each side was the, was the workout. Well, see, the problem is, Rob, you talk to us so little on text, and it always seems like you're trying to get away with doing the littlest amount of actual text <laughs> in the text that we never know, and no one wants to clarify anything. So Dan just saw I'm something, scared. you actually responded to him, and he was so like impressed and appreciative that he was like, okay, cool, I'll just go do it. All right, full disclosure, if I see my name in a text chain or if there's a video, then I really pay attention. Anything else, I kind of just, <laughs> I bypass it. <laughs> no. And, You're and it so me- good with the video breakdowns, though. I got to <laughs> give it to you. You're the best. You're by far the best person I know. I'll send my videos to 100 people. You are the only one that really looks at it. But, Dan, you did it way harder. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, it was, it was, I was like, dude, or I don't know what Rob's on. It was an ascending t- one to 10. And that is like the worst rep scheme ever. I love a descending 10 to one. An ascending one to ten, that that's that'll make you some. We money. got any bruises to show off? I'm pretty good. That the ear, you know, I, have, I have one of the. Nick, did devil, you see that? Oh, bruising. So I'll tell you some what this big is. ass arms on you is what you got. Dude, you got you got some delts going. What happened? Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm listening. You doing lateral raises? I am. I'm doing front raises and lateral raises ever since like, I got made fun of. I'm just just hammering everything. This is you the most proud of I've ever been of you. Filling sleeves, baby. Sleeve filling sleeves. Yeah, you guys, you guys made the filling sleeves comment. I made it. You know, I was crying for three weeks after that. <laughs> <laughs> so ascending one to ten is fucking awful. I never want to do an ascending one to ten workout ever again. That was that was fucking terrible, Rob. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, good you on you. Now you wanted. get to test yourself again. I only have a quick one. I did a good track workout for anyone out there that just wants to go hit some running. Took about 45 minutes. Eight 400 meter 
runs, three minute rest, two 800 meters, and then one mile. And it sucked. It was awful. I lifted afterwards. That was difficult. I will say one thing for any of the CrossFitters out there. I did a every 90 seconds times 10. You could probably mess with this, Dan. Six chest to bar, six regular pull-ups, 10 toes to bar. And I tried to go unbroken for the 10 rounds. It's a lot of work in 15 minutes. Got eight rounds unbroken. Probably felt similar to how you felt with your forearms. Just the grip goes. And once the grip goes, it's just a shit show. <laughs> like for any yeah. type of any exercise. Once your forearms go, it's an unexplainable feeling. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that, I, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you know, I did so much and, and Rob gave me some good kettlebell workouts with the unilateral kettlebell stuff when I had my wrist injury. <laughs> and then he starts swinging that kettlebell around your left, left arm. And it was like, it's like and, and also I'm right-handed too. So, man, that was a, just a, a gr- the grip needs work, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Rob, why don't you tee up our guest this week? I always ask Dan, but let's put you on the spot. You are putting me on the spot. I was not ready for that. So I was introduced to this guy from you or you and Dan with his Instagram page, Bud Jeffries. I mean, what hasn't this guy done? Former nationally ranked powerlifter, football player, straw man, old time straw man. He has an amazing cause that he's he's promoting. I mean, I, I can't say anything else about this guy, Bud Jeffries. Just listen and hear what this guy has to say. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness podcast, Bud Jeffries. You are an Instagram legend from my perspective. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just living my life. You know what I'm saying? Trying to, I don't know if I like Instagram legends. That's, <laughs> that might be dubious instead of, you know, honorable, but <laughs> my thing, man. How about just legend? Legend <laughs> Bud Jeffries. Uh, okay. If you say so, I don't know, you know. <laughs> no, man. All good. Hey, you know. Before we even get into who you are, what you do, everything that we do in this podcast is all about fitness. So what'd you do today? What'd you do this weekend? Tell the listeners what you got going on as far as your workout routines, et cetera, and then we'll we'll take it back. Okay. Well, I actually spoke at Rafe Kelly's on embodiments like a virtual seminar this morning. So this morning, as part of my whole fitness day and stuff or whatever, or in relation to that, I actually did a whole live workout and I built a giant stone cairn live on video for several thousand people in their conference. And what I talked about this morning really was building a framework for how to kind of manage every area of your fitness or every area, like in my perspective of it, like I, I, their whole thing is, you know, building a like Rafe Kelly's stuff is all about movement and that kind of thing. And so mine is how do you build a body that can withstand all that, or that can do all that, or, and, and how do you do it with all the different physical parameters balanced so they don't un- unhinge each other. And I'm also in the middle of opening a business with a partnering with a friend. So I've been actually building walls and stuff this week and doing that. And between there I did, uh, let's see, heavy deadlifts and rows one day. I did a thousand reps and uh, along with a heavy bag another day mixed with dumbbell work. So I did yeah about a thousand reps of conditioning work another day. The other day I did a real fast conditioning workout. I'm trying to remember what it was. And then other than that, I've been doing the normal other things I do, which is I coach a couple of classes every week. I coach a high school weightlifting team. I coach a, I actually just have an open workout for some, for select people at my house. And the weirdest thing in the world, because I look like this giant L's angel and it's all older women. 
who come and which is the weirdest thing. And what happened because I was a massage therapist and I worked on a client who was so incredibly physically disabled. She couldn't get any relief. She'd had like 20 something surgeries related to cancer over her lifetime and like had all this inflammation and couldn't get, and she couldn't get any help. She went to a, to a box place, you know, that said, you know, Hey, we want you to do box jumps. She's like, okay, I'll do them. But if you call 911 ahead of time, so that when I die, you can, you know, absolute stupidity of the way that they, they were treating her. No, no idea of, you know, this needs to be dialed in specially for you. So it doesn't hurt you. Let's see. Did I do anything fun this week? I lifted well. I've been lifting those big stones this morning. That was fun. That was kind of epic because I did like I showed a bunch of different ways to do exercises and how I think about range of motion and how I think about training speed and why I do the things I do and why it's so incredibly misunderstood because people have no concept of the reality of training for life and, and how broad it really ought to be. And they have no concept of the history of training. All they have is, you know, the Instagram moment with their favorite fitness model of this is the perfect way to do things or whatever. But I built this like seven foot tall stone cairn today and just got it to balance right at the last second of the video. And it balanced and I walked about seven steps away and a big gust of wind blow and knocked the whole thing <laughs> thing over, which is pretty uh, awesome. <laughs> that's great. Well, hopefully they got it on video. Well, look, I, I want to hear about the range of motion. I want to hear about the training speed. And I appreciate you setting the scene for what you're doing today. Take us back because I went on your website and man, your life story is, it's crazy. So give it to us. And then, uh, you know, everything we do here, we tie it to fitness. So it sounded like, you know, through collegiate football and, and that strongman stuff, like you always were somehow tied to that. And I think our listeners can learn from that, but Take us all the way back, bring us to present day, and then we'll talk about yeah, that, the rest that of That'll actually help you understand why I'm the absolute maniac that I am today. That will actually kind of set the stage. And really, if you look at me, it's like I was literally destined to be who I am from birth. Like, so I'm going to tell you the story at warp speed because you only got about 30 minutes. And usually it takes me about 30 minutes to tell this story. When my mom and dad were, were trying to have children, they've been married for like 12 years. They were never able to have a baby. My mom had multiple miscarriages. My mom finally got pregnant with me. She was exposed to measles. She was working as a nurse. The doctors told her I would be born blind to death, would not survive the pregnancy. They tried to get her to have an abortion. She refused. At my birth, I was the first baby in the hospital I was born in that they put a fetal heart rate monitor on my mom and my heart stopped 19 minutes before I was born. And so in that, that bred this whole mindset into me of fight or flight. It also bred this whole mindset of, you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. You can survive things. You can do anything. You're here. You're, God put you here for a reason. So I go along. I'm five years old. I had this car accident. Okay. I'm walking down the street. I accidentally run in front of a van, a van, the old Scooby-Doo van hits me at about 60 miles an hour, crushes my hip, fractures my skull, puts me in a, the hospital for more than a month and in a body cast for more than three months, completely immobile from the waist, from the chest down. So in relation to that, man, I, you know, I spent months and months immobile, but here's the one, here's the two things that shaped me. So you guys even old enough to remember what shag carpeting is. You know what that is? You've seen Austin Powers. You've seen, yes, you know, yes. shag carpeting. you know what it is. Okay. So like I'm five years old, I'm trapped in a cast, man. I can't move. I'm frenetic energy. I got this whole thing going on. So I would literally drag myself off the bed and grab this stuff by the hair and pull myself around. And my mom says I went from a size four to a size 10 t-shirt in the four months before they cut that cast off me just from dragging myself around that thing. But it also made me a fat kid. Okay. I don't know what kind of cortisone stuff they were giving me or whatever, but I had literally four months where I could not move a muscle other than from the shoulder girdle up. 
So I come out of this cast. I can't even walk. Can't do anything. My mom, you know, and that time this is late 1970s, man. Like they, there was no, you know, therapy was here's your bottle of lotion, go home and move his legs. You'll be good. That literally is what they said to my mother. That was the extent of the therapy. So she did that. We were working hard, but she found a guy who was in martial arts who said, I can help this kid. And he started teaching me Taekwondo and that led me to stretching and muscular stuff. And my dad was always this big, powerful guy and all the people in my family were. So I was always peaked interested in that. Like as a kid, I went as the Hulk for Halloween. Okay. And I'm going along and that's my you know predilection for a few years. And then I, I discover American football at 13. That leads me directly to powerlifting at 14 because one of my coaches was a powerlifter. Well, I end up at this little local gym and they kind of adopt me. I start competing basically right away and I compete from 14 to about 30 years old across that, th- that spring span of things. I, I started as a classic power lifter was also playing football, played football for a year in college at the university of Florida, but I actually broke my shoulder joint on a hit. So your joints, a ball and socket, the back my, side of my shoulder joint literally chipped off. So it would let my shoulder come out of socket and it totally killed my football career that they literally, I had a 90% chance of no, never being able to play again. And I'm a gambler, but those are terrible odds. So the one blessing of that thing is it didn't hurt me doing anything else. Once my shoulder was healed and I did the rehab and stuff for it, I could press, I could lift, I could do anything else I wanted to do. I just couldn't crash into another 300 pound man wearing pads and nope, not to die. So that led me to where that opened this door for me to become a professional strongman because when I happened to be at college, a guy at a church asked me to do a promo for Anthony Clark. I don't know if you guys know who he was. He was the first guy to bench press 800 pounds. He was working with this prison ministry thing, and they, they wanted somebody to build him up. Well, the guy knew I'd already been a competitor. I'd already been a national champion. I'd already set a bunch of state, regional, national records. And he said, why don't you do something for him to, to help us get people interested? So I'm like pre-internet days, reading magazines, scrambling to a library, trying to find out what strongmen did. Find out a couple of bars. I've been to a couple of bars. I do something real quick for that church. And it opens this door with, man, maybe this is maybe this is what I should be doing, making a living with what I'm really good at and what I love. And so over the course of a period of time, I started competing in strongman competition shortly after that. I compete in Highland Games. I compete in martial arts. I compete in pretty much anything ridiculous and heavy you can get your hands on. And over that course of time, it changes my entire perspective on, on what training is and what it should be. And I developed a real career. I actually had a full-time career. I'm one of the only, probably a handful of single performers. I carry the entire performance by myself, performing old-time strongman that that even exists today. In fact, over a three-year period, I did over a thousand shows in schools in 44 states in the U.S. So it's almost like a giant old-time circus tour where I I was performing a couple of times a day and doing all that. And, And the flavoring of martial arts and old time performance of those kind of lifts, plus the powerlifting strongman, Highland Games, plus the little bit of farm boy, the, some of the farm boy stuff I got growing up and working with some iron workers. Well, that changed my whole flavor of what strength is. Strength isn't just what you can do in a gym. It's can you walk over and, and pick up iron all day with an iron worker? And can you survive in a ring with a martial artist? And can you get in a, with a powerlifter or a strongman or a Highland Games athlete? Do you have the physical prowess in all of those things? And if you don't, why not? What's wrong in your training? Where's the perspective of that? And then my son came along and he changed my entire perspective on coordination and accuracy and the combinations of, you know, most of us walk around like Frankenstein when we get really big and we're not, we're not flexible. We don't flow. We don't have movement. And if you ask us to do something like, you know, pat our head and, and rub our tummy at the same time, we're screwed. We let, you know, so can you train those things? And the late flavor of what I'm doing now 
is really based on how far can you push the human body? How, how strong can I be? How much endurance can I have at the same time? How coordinated? How can, can I do some amazing things with that? Can I do old time strongman feats? And can I pick up big stones? And can I do it and not be hurt? and not be in pain? And can I live a long time and do all of that together? And can I live with the vitality that we all ought to have? Because dude, most of us are living like we're bored to death or like we're on quaaludes or something. Like we got no ambition. We got no reality of life. We don't have any fire for what there is to life. And life is freaking short. And it's awesome, dude. There's amazing things you can experience both with training, because I feel like most of us spend all this time building a body for fitness and we never take it out and test it. It's like we built this giant muscle car and never take it out of the garage. Most of us never experience what we can physically do. And most of us don't, even lifters, lifters, competitors especially, because they tend to beat the crap out of themselves and they're not usually terribly fit fit, as in their endurance isn't high or whatever. But even a lot of just normal exercisers, if you really ask them other than their little bit of exercise on, the, on that day, do they really feel like going out and, and doing something awesome? Do they feel do they have the passion for life that we ought to have because we ought to have enough energy to experience it? Well, no, they don't. So what's wrong with that? Let's fix it. Let's go. Let's make something better. So that brings me for the most part to where we are today. But I love that story. My name is Dan, by the way. Very nice to meet you. A longtime fan. First time talking to you. I wanted to ask you about your creativity. One of the things, and, and you kind of did describe with your story, but when I see you and your videos, you come up with the shit you come up with. I really think there's a genius to that. So where do you feel like you get the creativity? Is it this kind of blend of all these different backgrounds, the football, the straw man, the iron worker? Is that kind of what you talked about? And also, how do you foresee the next year or so going in terms of your creativity with the online content and then your shows as well? Right. Well, it might be the concussions. I'm just going to say it might be the uh, football, <laughs> little CTE. The other car accident I even talk about where I broke the windshield with my head and like literally should have died and walked out of the emergency room. And I believe if God didn't want me here, it would be that way. I I've always leaned toward the creative, if that makes sense as a person, even as a kid. So I think what happened is it's kind of this melting point of like, you know, okay, in iron lifting and that kind of thing, we're very stuck. We're very traditional. We're very, it's like an orthodox religion. You know, this is the, this is it. And that's all there is to it. It's, it's not versus creative people tend to blend and add things or whatever. Well, I've always sort of had that bent about things and it is a wide background because I tend to look at a lift and say, okay, that's the lift for this particular style of lifting, but is it applicable to this, that, the other? I have all this kind of checklist to work through. And within that, I just start looking at things and, and trying to turn it inside out and looking and trying to make it a different way and trying to, and I'll tell you a lot of what flavored it is the performance of Old Time Strongman because Old Time Strongman is about entertaining an audience. It's about, you know, it's about, and okay, and I've done a lot of barbell squats, presses and deadlifts over my period of time. I, I bored with it myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, and I'm not, that's not true. I still like to squat, still like to pull. Like, but uh, you see what I mean? I mean, like, if you've ever been to a powerlifting meet after the hundredth deadlift, you've seen them. Let's do something else. You know what I'm saying? In the old time strongman thing, one of the things you are constantly looking for is ways to distinguish things as your personal style. So there's stock feats, everybody bends spikes, everybody bends bars, that kind of thing. But can you do it in a way that makes it special to you? And can you do it in a way that's unique to the audience? And one of the things people don't see in social media about me is they see, you know, I have people asking this all the time. Geez, do you ever do the same exercise twice? Of course I do. I have a regular routine of different strength stuff that I do, but I'm doing things to entertain, to bring you to my causes, to bring you for my charity, to bring you to my, to my social media, to bring you to my books, videos. But 
I'm also doing that to keep my own mind as engaged as possible. So I'm looking constantly for a new way to do things. And I kind of always work through, I talked about this today with people doing loaded carries. Okay. Most people are satisfied. Can I pick this up and carry it forward, forward 30 meters? That's all they ever think about. But I tend to think about it through a bigger paradigm of, okay, I can carry it forward. Can I carry it backward? If I can carry it backward, can I carry it sideways? If I can carry it sideways, can I carry it in a slalom? If I can carry it that way, can I carry it faster or can I change directions as I carry? You see what I mean? And the same with like the, okay, I talked about this this morning, throwing knives. That's one of, that was one of the first things I really started to do for the, the idea of hand-eye control, hand-eye coordination, accuracy, timing, all of the things that make it necessary to really hit stuff. But I want to look at that from a broader perspective. Can I hit a target? If I can hit this target, can I hit this target? If I can hit this target, can I hit this target moving back and forth? Now that I can hit this target, can I move it? Can I hit it in the air? Can I hit it from behind? Can I hit it, you know, from a different angle or position? Can I, can I hit it off of a roll or off of another movement? So I have kind of a, a base building idea. And then from there, let's kind of, okay, let's see what there is to do. Let's make this fun. Let's make this a more interesting way to do it. And I think it's also the combination of, I don't have a lot of, like I, I was teasing about the concussions, but my wife actually teased me about that. She's like, you know, that button that says no, that everybody else has, you don't have that button. You don't have that, like that part, that's the one little part of your brain that's totally broke, that you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't light that on fire. What do you mean? The, you know, I think it's that search for the, and it's also because I participated in so many different things, I have exposures to very many, to many, many, many sets of rules of how to do things. But because I can look at the broad pantheon of those rules and understand that they really are just arbitrary and they don't exist, they're just somebody's personal made up way of doing things. If you can get past that idea, well, there's a whole other universe to explore of stuff that if I don't have to do things the way everybody else does things and I can still get good results, why can't I? Why don't I? Why don't I have those things? And it's not that I don't do. I talk about this a lot in my stuff. You know, people ask me, do you, re- do you lift regular weights? Yes, I lift regular weights. But, okay. I lift them in the way that pays off for the things I want to do. And I lift them in the way that does the least damage to my body for the individual thing. So for instance, I talked about this today and I I give this example regularly. A lot of guys think the bench press is the end all be all of lifting period. If you don't bench press, you're a heathen, you're, you're evil, you, you know, you're whatever, or, but okay, here's what they don't say. Also a certain number of those guys shoulders cannot tolerate bench pressing heavy for a long period of time. No matter how they grip, no matter what they do, they just can't. But they could, they could tolerate dumbbell presses or dumbbell bench presses or one-arm presses, or, and they would still get a big, powerful, developed upper body. If you stood them next to somebody, there might be a slight difference in chest to shoulder or whatever. They'd still be a big, powerful-looking dude. If you can do that for a lifetime and find a way that fits you, that pays off for the things you want to do, that's your individual self-expression. And also within that blends the idea of this particular exercise fits my joints and doesn't hurt me. But, you know, then, okay, then why not? Because the reality is if we stood all of us side by side and one of us is a heavy bench presser, one of us is a heavy barbell overhead press, one of us likes incline presses and one of us likes dumbbell presses, dude, we're all going to be big jacks, monster upper body guy. Who cares? Why, why do you have to follow the rules that are truly arbitrary? Okay. Like people give me crap all the time about partial lifts because they don't understand that there's a reasoning behind my partial lifts. I'm not doing them because I'm stupid. Okay. I'm doing them because I have a theory behind what I'm doing and I'm building a bigger platform for, I'm building the internal platform of my body, the bones, the ligaments, the tendons, so that the muscles themselves have a bigger platform to work on. I'm giving a better suspension to a more powerful engine so that my vehicle can run better. 
I'm not doing them because I don't know the difference. But really, who gets to decide what range of motion is? You deadlift a barbell off the floor. Who decided how tall to make those plates? That's a totally arbitrary range of motion. It's just, we made the plates this size, therefore that's the lift. Truly a full range of motion, that barbell had to be sitting on your feet. Would have to be touching your toes for you to lift it. That's real range of motion. That's real full range of motion. So technically a real deadlift, a regular deadlift is actually a partial deadlift. So we're all just doing a flavor of whatever. And I just am, (laughs) I also am that guy. Like, if you tell me there's a rule, I'm probably going to find a way to break it. You're a contrarian. I know just from talking to you for 20 minutes, you're a contrarian. Absolutely. In the the best way that I love that. I love that. It It, it is all arbitrary. It's all kind of bullshit. Like, and there's no reason you shouldn't be creative. And I think that that creativity is why you are you, you have the following you do. And people seem to respond to your content. And, you know, you're not just another asshole out there, you know, selling fit tees and doing the same goddamn lifts. You're doing something that's truly yours, you know, and that's, that's real special. Well, and that's what I want to be. I want it to be the, I want it to be my expression, mine, not, you know, not that you, and not that there's anything wrong with any other way. Competition is one of the best things you can ever do as a lifter because it gives you skills of working within a framework and deadlines and, and actually getting in, you know, it's wonderful. And competitors almost always have solid technical ability, but that don't mean they run the world. There's a million other ways to express yourself. So why not be that? Why not be the thing that breaks the mold? I, I don't want to be remembered as a guy who just lifted weights a hundred years from now. You know what I'm saying? I want to be remembered as a guy who, who went, uh, who went a totally different path, who broke the mold, who was entertaining, who had things he really, that were important to say and things that were important to say beyond just let's build big biceps you know, okay, that's wonderful, but there's a lot more to life. But I, I love your perspective and I'm, I want to get some specifics here. You talked about this group of ladies that you train. So what, what does their training look like? And then on top of that, you talk about using your body for something besides exercise, exercise for some goal. So what, what kind of guidance do you give them? How are they utilizing the fitness they're gaining from training with you? Well, okay. And now here's the thing that's interesting about this group. You got to remember that. Okay. I've had between three and 12 regular ladies and they're, you know, some of them, some of them exercise purely because they, if you know me, you know, I'm always on the run up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG one. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. 
had a particular goal. They had to, they needed to walk better. And then as soon as they met that, they left. They don't, they're not, they don't really care, but I've got a little small core group that actually likes it. That comes and, and they're wide variety. One of them was the lady that survived a ton of cancer surgeries. One is this incredibly fit little lady who was 50, well into her fifties and 110 pounds and a deadlift, nearly double body weight. And, and just got, you know, she really loves it. Another lady who survived a ridiculous abdominal surgery and all this other stuff. And she's gotten in tremendous shape. Here's the thing. They train a lot like me. Now they don't train to the level that I train, but I, okay. The lady with the cancer surgery, this is going to sound so incredibly counterintuitive to the whole fitness world. I started her with one rep sets of kettlebell deadlifts. Here's why. Okay. She needed to build strength and stability. She could not process the inflammation from repetition sets. She was so physically inflamed from the chemotherapy that she had taken and so much radiation. She, this lady has had the legal limit of radiation ever in her lifetime. They told her, don't even go to the dentist and get an x-ray. You've had all that a human is ever supposed to have. So she had this massive amount of inflammation. So we started off doing just single rep sets of deadlifts and just really functional things like, and they're going to people, people give me crap about this all the time. Like they, I watched, they had these ladies actually pull a truck one day. Okay. They pulled one of my, one of my actual, they had, a, they pulled a little S10 and then they actually pulled my Toyota Tundra. And then several of them actually came back later. The really de dedicated ladies came back and pulled a semi with me. Okay. Now here's the, here's the thing though. They, people said that lady doesn't walk good. You shouldn't have her pulling stuff. Well, she was never going to walk good. You don't know her story. She's damaged to the point that she will never probably ever look like a perfect, perfect gay, perfect, all that. So if we're not going to get perfect, let's add, let's at least make things where you can function and add strength. And you, you, what they don't get is often by, by starting the basics of the thing you need to do, your body self-corrects. So like, it's not that I don't believe in prehab and, and corrective exercises to an extent. I also believe in perfecting the thing that you do, because when you perfect the thing you do, you often build those imbalances out. And, and here's why I started her with singles. Okay. She literally could do that and not wake up dead for four days. But if she did 10 rep sets, she couldn't move for days because of her, the level of debilitation she was at. So here's my thing with that. These ladies are looking to get strong. They don't, they, you know, they're like, yeah, it'd be nice if I look better, but I don't care. I want to live. I want to live well into my long, the long part of my life. So we do a lot of, we do, we do a lot of heavy stuff, man. We do, I have them do regularly three to five rep set presses, three to five rep sets, deadlifts, heavy stuff. And, but control, more control than their environment. And I also make them do some of the crazy stuff that I do. Every one of them has learned to throw an ax. Every one of them drags tires. Every one of them does, does kettlebell swings. Every one of them punches a bag. Because I believe those things are both functional skills as well as legitimate levels of fitness. And, and for their age and the things that we're doing, I try to add a basic every time. So we always start with kettlebell deadlifts. Then we do presses. Then we do some sort of a row. Then we do some sort of a squat. We always finish with sled dragging. And in between there, we do different things every time. But because most of them are very body fat conscious, we do quite a bit of cardio in the in-between muscular type cardio. So we'll do, it's nothing for me to ask these ladies to pick up a 20 pound dumbbell and do hundred snatches. That's our, that's a regular, regular thing for our deal. But I try to twist something new every time, add a new movement pattern, a new flexibility challenge, a new coordination challenge. That's why we throw axes and, and other stuff like that because it's new neural pathways along with that. So it's a great connector of the mind to the body 
as well as a builder of memory, a builder of new of new stuff, a builder of new. And they, you know, they've come a long way, man. I mean, this one lady's lost fifty something pounds. Several of the women who've lost with me, who worked me over a period of time, have lost fifty to one hundred pounds. There, and and then people are gonna say, "Oh my God, you're too fat to coach people in fitness." Listen, I'm what I am. I'm I am where I want to be because I love freaking cheeseburgers and bourbon. And I'm a 300 pound ex super heavyweight powerlifter who wants to be able to rip the door off the hinges if I feel like it. So I'm not particularly concerned about having the most awesome six pack in the world. I'm concerned about being able to pick you up overhead with one hand and throw you across the room if you say something bad about my cheeseburger. And that's the bottom line because Bud Jeffrey said so. That's what, that, yeah, that, that was some stone cold Steve Austin shit. But <laughs> to, to the listeners that have no background or knowledge of you, I think the one thing anyone can take from listening to you talk is your enthusiasm and just passion for this stuff. Right. How do you instill that in others? Not just the ladies that you work with, but the listeners that are just listening to this on a Monday morning and they're, you know, him on their way through another work day. Like what's your message to them? Because I think that's, what's like getting me fired up. I want to go lift right now. <laughs> well, first of all, okay. That no rules mindset I was talking about, dude. Okay. Let me clarify that, but let me tell you why that helps with passion, okay? Because most people go to the gym and it's a drudgery. They feel confined. They never try new things. They never do that. And they're condemned to, I have to do it this way. I got to walk on the treadmill for X number of minutes. Then I got to go squat in a very classic Olympic lifting style because if I don't get below parallel, everybody's going to make fun of me and do all this stuff. You know, I think you have to let yourself off the hook about that within the context of doing what you need to do, okay? Everybody needs to work legs. I don't care who you are. Okay. I, I don't care who you are, but you can also do it your way. So that's what I mean. Do what you feel like, what makes you pumped up, the exercises you love within the context of, I must fulfill these criteria. I must be disciplined enough to actually get up and work out. I must be disciplined enough to work every area of my body. I must be disciplined enough to do cardio, but do the one that works for you, dude. I like to do snatches. I like to sprint with sleds. I don't particularly love the idea of walking on a treadmill, although I do like to walk outside. I also like to try new ones. So I, like I go through phases where I'll, I'll do sprints on an exercise bike or I'll do, row, I'll do an, a concept to row or I'll do that. You know, I work on those things and set yourself up for the idea of being interested in your own progress. Okay. Like people who are bored with lifting aren't trying to lift five more pounds today than they did last time. You see what I mean? You know what I'm saying? If you're not interested, if you're not intimately connected to your own progress, you're going to be bored with this. If, and if you're scared all the time that, oh my God, five more pounds is going to hurt me. Listen, weightlifting is actually one of the safest sports in the world. And what they really don't talk about, I was thinking about this earlier today, what they really don't talk about is the amount of outside in the real world injuries prevented by people who are strong. Okay. If you're a twig this big and I hit you with a baseball bat, you will snap. If you're a twig that big and I hit you with a baseball bat, you're probably not going to snap. You see what I mean? If you've got more protective muscle strength, that kind of thing, you're a lot safer in the real world. Find what you love, do that thing. Get intimately involved in your own progress, okay? But at the same time, you got to get a mindset of you can. So in these ladies and other people I've coached over a long period of time, at seminars all over the country, at all kinds of stuff, one of the things I've seen with people is that most people don't have anybody in their life that tells them you are capable of doing something awesome or you're capable of doing the thing you're trying to do, okay? One of my best friends who lives with us, her, her she just divorced this idiot ex who was a real narcissist pig. And, and he was the guy who was like, oh, you can't do that. You'll never be able to do that. You'll never be, somebody who tries to kill your partner. And there's a ton of people out there like that. Cut those people out of your life. But get with somebody who doesn't let you fail. 
Okay. Meaning this, like uh, these ladies don't have a chance to fail. Like one of the things we talk about is nobody says can't in my, in my, when you're working out with me, you can't say can't, doesn't happen. And everything weighs 25 pounds. I don't care how big it is. It's only 25 pounds. There's no, if you get your own mindset, okay. Into the idea that I can do this stuff. A lot of people could do most of the thing. I'm not, I'm not instigating anybody to light your backyard on fire like I do on a regular basis. Okay. Don't do that. But a lot of people could do things that are like balance oriented or strength or throw oriented or whatever that they don't, they can do it. They don't believe they can do it. And that stops them. And then this, for me, one of the bigger things with this is like, dude, this is like speed for me. Okay. Like I, when I work out, it makes my blood pump in a way that, that gets my hormones go up and it makes me feel vital. Like if you can't get excited about, if you can just one time in your life experience feeling like you really could conquer the world, like you're standing on the top of the mountain, like you could do that, then dude, why wouldn't you be excited about doing the thing that gave you that on a regular basis? And this gives you that if you get behind the, man, this is fun. There, there are fun ways to do this. I'm making this progress. I'm actually, this pays me, this pays you. Like most of the things you do, it takes months and months and months to see progress. It doesn't take any time to see progress with lifting if you do it right. So if you're intimately involved in your own progress and you start to feel good, like as a human being, why wouldn't you be passionate about that and excited? And why wouldn't that carry over to how you talk to your kids and how you talk to your wife and how you approach your job and how you are in the bedroom? All those other things, dude, like, dude, if you're not, that's right, man. If you're not killing it everywhere, why aren't you? And most of us are conditioned to live like couch potatoes. We're literally conditioned to live that like, this is the top end of life is I got a job I don't really hate and I make enough money to kind of get by and I got a wife who's sort of nice to me and I get to some of the couch washing me. That's the top end of life. That's the bottom end of that. We were never, ever, ever intended to, as a species created to live that way. Never. We were intended to experience what there is in life and it's a big world full of places to play and have fun. And so why not build a body that lets you go do that? Like if you want to go hike a mountain or fight a grizzly bear or wrestle your mother-in-law or whatever you want, I don't care. Build the ability to do it. And why not have some freaking fun? So that, that's something else that, that made me passionate about this. I talk about this a lot of times. Young guys lift because they're angry. I'm, I want, you know, okay, that's fine. Awesome to do, builds, you know, gets that tension out or whatever. It's cool. But long-term, you're conditioning your mind, not just your body. So when you start conditioning your mind that this is fun, not this is where I'm angry, this is where I'm aggressive, this is where I have to get rage out, or this is work, this is a drudgery, this hurts, this is pain. You condition your mind that I'm about to go have fun. Well, you'll, you'll want to go, who doesn't want to go have fun? Who do, if you just have to build that mindset into what you're doing. And he asked me about what's in the next year. Look, man, I don't know. I got some good ideas for some stunts. I got a really cool, couple of cool ones. And I might even have, there might, I don't know. I've been approached about, about a documentary that may, I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen. Who knows? Who knows what, uh, but you know, I, I got an idea for a couple of cool stunts. I want to hold a motorcycle ramp while a motorcycle jumps it. I think that's going to be, I think that one will be cool. That'd be sick, bud. I, I have a question because you kind of touched on earlier about your form. So, so with some of the lifts you do, you like you had one the other day where you're doing hammer curls at a, an absurd weight. I think it was 120 or 150 pounds and you're going through a partial range of motion. And a lot of the videos you do, it's overloading the weight with partial range of motion. And I'm sure you have some haters, you know, probably losers on the internet who talk shit on you about that. But please, you know, this is a forum. What are you trying to do when you load it heavier and go through that partial range of motion? What is the method to the madness there? Okay. So what you don't see me do a lot 
you don't, I don't, you don't necessarily see a ton of strict exercises. I don't show them because they're not really that entertaining. Okay. Like strict curls are not the most entertaining thing unless you're just super into curls. Okay. You know, which is also why you see me do a lot more unusual lifts with bigger stuff and, and things that are on fire and that kind of thing and moving lifts. They're much more entertaining because at the end of the day, there are the bigger things I want you to see from me than just lifting that, but, but kind of curls. Okay. I talk about this in the real world in, in, in regular exercising. I have three speeds. I like slow and strict, and that can be super slow or just normal, slow, fast compensatory acceleration, and then dead stop isometric. Okay which all of those are necessary. But I think there's strict form in that isolation is a total myth. That's complete bull. That was, that is a a misnomer anatomically that never really happens. But if you're talking about, I want to use primarily one set of muscles. And a lot of times you see me do curls. What you don't see is that the sets working up to the really, you know, high rep heaving stuff where you're doing cheat curls and that kind of thing are strict. Okay. Because I want only that, that muscle to be the bigger focus. But then I, I want that muscle to learn to play nice within the whole system. Okay. I, I talked about it like this. I was talking about rows this morning. If I asked you to start a lawnmower, would you set up in a strict row position and slowly pull your arm back? And that's the only way you would know you wouldn't. What do you do when you start a lawnmower? You have to pull fast and hard. In the real world, many of the things that come at you, you have to react that way. You don't you don't do things from a full stretch range of motion. You don't do things by creating power. Hold on. I have to get braced and I can only move in a very strict manner and that I'll fight you that way or I'll, you know, that doesn't work that way in the real world. That's not athletically powerful. Okay. What I'm doing by that, by those overloads is similar to what I do with a partial squat or a partial deadlift. It's the same idea with a cheat curl. What I'm doing is building the entire arm, everything from, from here to there with a heavier than normal overload. And I'm using my whole body to place more than normal stress on this muscle. I'm also doing it. That's one of the reasons I'm also doing it to teach my body to move the greatest load because I am a strong man, not a guy who stands on stage asking you to judge how I look. So a rock doesn't ask me, listen, bud, did you do strict curls instead of cheat curls? I'm not gonna let you lift me if you didn't know. I want the I want the ability to apply the most total power. And in the real world, the most total power isn't just bicep, it's bicep and body, it's shoulder and body, it's leg and explosion, it's back and leg together, it's whole body functioning together. Now, within that, and here's what people don't get: those cheat curls overload those strict curls. So your strict curls generally go up when you're loading with that heavier weight, because your body now senses that lighter weight that you do strict work as not a threat. It's not heavy. It doesn't feel heavy in your hand anymore. So therefore you, you do that a few times, all of a sudden you're getting more reps with that same strict curl or more reps with that same strict press. And it goes up and they feed each other. The strict ones give that muscle itself the ability to create more power. And the cheat ones give that muscle uh, an overload that lets the cheat ones, that lets us, that lets the strict ones get easier. It's a reciprocal cycle of work. And that's the reasoning behind. I don't just want my bicep to, to, to be usable only as my body. Listen, I can only listen, I can only start your lawnmower in a very strict fashion. I, I want to be able to do the real world things. And that's what pays my, you know, pays the bills, so to speak, for me. And I think in most people in the real world, you know what I'm saying? And okay, here's a classic example of this. You if you talk to most jujitsu guys. Ask them who gets hurt the first time, for the worst, the first on a mat 
if they're an inexperienced beginner. And it's generally bodybuilders. And I'm not bagging on bodybuilders, okay? I have a ton of respect for what they do. And some of those guys are apt to do some absolutely amazing stuff. But the guys who train totally strict all the time, when they get out of the format of strict movement, tend to all of a sudden get hurt because they're not used to the forces that are chaotic in the real world that, that, a non, that non-traditional and non-strict training allows your body to do. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I remember talking to an ex-bodybuilder back when I was in Chula Vista, and the guy was like, dude, if you would have asked me to do a 40-yard sprint, my hammies would have ripped off my leg. Like I couldn't do it. And this guy just looked like a brick shit house. You'd be like, wow, this guy's the model of health and perfection. Just, you know, yeah, yeah. They're, they're training one specific thing. So that's I right. Think- and, and nothing wrong with that. If yeah. that's the, what you want to do, but it's an extremely narrow focus. Now, the unfortunate thing for the fitness world is that is the dominant focus. When there's this whole other pantheon of stuff to do, they don't, you know, okay. Like Schwarzenegger was a godsend to the fitness world because he captured the American public's mind. However, he captured it with bodybuilding, which everyone suddenly took as fitness gospel, which is nothing wrong with that as a particular thing. But bodybuilding in the era that he came about and now, which is the super specialized era of it, is a whole other animal than bodybuilding in its original inception from the Eugene Sandow period up to then, where where bodybuilders often had to lift at a contest and you couldn't just be look, you couldn't just look good. You had to be super strong. And that's a whole other pantheon of things for people to look at that's a whole other you know they, people have no hit no sense at all of the history of strength and what people have been able to do for thousands of years and why wouldn't you have those things and, and okay that particular thing you asked about, you talked about the sprint thank you i think it was dave tate but i'm not sure there's a power lifter who squatted a thousand pounds who quit kind of and moved away from powerlifting because he had so many injuries in related to that but but here's something he said he's like dude i was standing by a lake with my three-year-old and my leg was hurt so bad from squatting that my three-year-old ran to the water and I couldn't catch him to save his life. He's like, I got to go, I got to do different. I got to be different. I got to be able to run. You know, if I can't catch a three-year-old in 10 yards to keep them from drowning, I'm doing something wrong. We're, we're doing something wrong in training. You know what I'm saying? And, and here's my thing with that. You can have those things. You just have to organize things the right way. You can still squat massive weights and be able to run and not hurt all the time and be able to move and not, you can do those things. You just have to create the right levels of volume, frequency, recovery, you know, to get things working together. And that's what we miss most of the time. That's it, man. That's awesome. Well, look, this has been amazing. I could talk to you all night, but I told you we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't keep you too long. We do like to wrap it up with a couple quick hitters. And then I want to hear about your cause Noah's army, because I think it's a, a beautiful thing you're doing. The quick hitters, there are three really stupid questions, but we, we ask every guest. And the first one is the most important. And it is, what is your favorite non-alcoholic seltzer? What's a non-alcoholic seltzer? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> like a LaCroix, bubbly. I'm betting that Bud Jeffries doesn't drink a goddamn single one of them, does he? Zero. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, let's audible. Omaha, Omaha. We're audibling. What's your favorite bourbon? Oh, that's a big question now. See, that's a oh my man. It'd have to be a toss up between Elmer T. Lee and mm, probably Elmer T. Lee. Elmer T. Lee. All right, you heard it here first. Dan, hit him with a quick hitter. Oh, Bud, let's say we're taking you back to the powerlifting days. You have to hit a one rep max. What's your one rep max song? And it's going to go on our strategy fitness playlist. From my, my one rep song from back in the day when I was actually doing it. And this is, could be right now, back in the day, you need one song to get you amped up. What song are you going with? 
<laughs> Cult of Personality by In Living Color. In Living Color, phenomenal, phenomenal jam. Love it. All right, so this this you're probably the most interesting guest for this question here. So he's always asked like the guest definition of strong. We've gotten like the the three fifteen power clean and jerk, the triple body weight deadlift. What one lift do you see in the gym or out out in nature that just impressed you? Like a number relative to body weight. What's a movement that defines strong for you? In a grown adult male, being able to shoulder chest to shoulder or chest height minimum a three hundred pound stone either an Atlas stone or for me more than that, a, a natural stone is probably the biggest. That's going to be the biggest indicator of your all around functional, true power, regardless of barbell, anything else in that range. Rob, you hit that. Yeah. We were talking about that last week. We, we did a strongman contest and there was a oh, wow. 300 pound stone and I didn't have any tacky. And I just, I just loaded it up into my truck with no tacky after Nine. doing a strong man contest for the day. So I, I get the blood pass for today. That's that made my day, made my weekend. Yeah. Especially if you did it with no tacky, I'm more power to you, brother. That's Thank amazing. You. He's in the midst of a four week deload, but <laughs> good for you, Rob, for back. He lives, he, li- he lives in a deload. Yeah. <laughs> deload. <laughs> yeah. Christ. All right, bud. Well, thanks so much, man. Tell us about Noah's army. You said at the end of every one of your Instagram videos, I just want to give you the floor here, how people can find it, how people can help. Have at it. Okay. So you need to look up officialnoahsarmy.com. Okay. Or officialnoahsarmy.org. I can never remember those things. I have a, I don't know why. Noahsarmy.com. You'll find it. Just look up Noah's Army. Okay. Here's the deal. My son was probably one of the strongest human beings who, who's lived in the last 50 years. Okay. He was top 10 on the planet at short steel bending at less than 21 years old. He was also one of the most committed to helping other people ever. And three years ago, three years ago, October 4th, he passed away. He was hit by a truck uh, driving his motorcycle and he spent a couple of days in a coma and then he was just gone. And when that happens in your life and that happened to my wife and myself, and he was our, you know, our cherished child, our, our only child, it's like a bomb goes off in your life. And, and if you look at the statistics of that happening to people, what you see is a huge percentage of the parents who lose an adult child like that actually don't, their marriages don't survive, their lives don't survive. A huge percentage of them, much higher than the normal population, commit suicide. And you have two choices when something like that happens, okay? You can curl up and either physically, really, or metaphorically die, or you can go on and make something better of yourself. And, and to honor his legacy, because he was literally one of the most amazing people on the planet, two-time All-American sporting clay shooter. He could do absolutely phenomenal things with basically any kind of a shotgun, rifle, pistol, bow. He could bend steel. Almost nobody could bend. He, he at 16 years old, he could lift a 500 pound rock, natural stone, not an Atlas stone. He was, you know, black belt level in jujitsu, but he was incredibly committed to helping other people. And that's what we wanted to carry on. That was his whole life. Since he was six years old, he wanted to be a sheriff. He was a month away from starting the sheriff's academy and he refused to let anybody else pay for it. He wanted to do to go his own way. And we got multiple, multiple stories from people after he passed away, of people who came up to us and said, you have no idea who I am, but your son stopped and helped me. You have no idea who I am, but your son, he literally, after the big hurricane Irma that came in through and wrecked the, the wrecked Florida, he spent nearly a week riding around on a motorcycle, cutting up trees and removing them from neighborhoods. He literally cut a tree off and lifted it off a man. We didn't even know what happened until somebody told us a month or two after his funeral. This guy lived to help other people, and he was a legend in the building in his own right. He just was an amazing human being and a 
And what we did to that is we started a charity in his name, Noah's Army. And it's built for this reason. The night he passed away, the night or the night we took him to his organ donation surgery. And if you hear me talk about this, I always talk about Noah's Army, become a blood donor, become an organ donor. Here's why. That night, my son saved four lives. And that doesn't mention the other lives that are saved on top of that from the other full, full donation things that happened. And unbeknownst to us, when we walked into his donation surgery, there was an entire honor guard of military and police officers standing in the hallway. We had no idea they would even be there. And there were so many people who came and followed his bed to that surgery that it blocked the entire hospital and for us to walk down the hallway. An army came to see him off because he loved people and helped people. And that's what we're going to do. So we have a couple of fundraisers every year. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do our own virtual fundraiser where we're going to have strong men from all over the world perform. And we're going to host it live, almost like a telephone where people have time to donate. We help first responders. We help firefighters. We help EMTs, police officers. We help women escaping domestic violence and children who are in terminal Ill- in the middle of terminal illness. Those are the major focuses of what we do. Every bit of the money goes directly to that. And that's what we do with our life now. That's what I promote all the time because he cast a big enough shadow at 21 years old that hundreds and hundreds of people have come up and told us how much he helped them. And we're going to do the same. We're going to live our lives with respect to the life that wanted to help other people. And we want you to do the same and help us. Absolutely amazing, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks for spending some time. It's official noahsarmy.com. Check it out. I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable story. Unbelievable that you you shared that with us. Really appreciate it. This has been a great chat. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me out anytime. I'll come back anytime, man. Hey, bud. Thanks so much for coming. Uh, love the the story there. And uh, we'll make sure to get a strategy of fitness donation for you on Noah's Army. That's that's great awesome, stuff, man. man. Thank, you. Thank you guys very much. I, I super appreciate it. Thank you guys. Bud, you're the man. If you don't have your own podcast already going, you need one, man. You you gotta you gotta <laughs> spread the word. Yeah, you make us, you make us sound like dog shit, man. You're great. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. <laughs> All right, man. I probably, man, but I, I'm I'm content to come play with you guys for a while, and that's cool. Yeah, man. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Appreciate it. All right, guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed that episode. I know we did. It was it was fantastic. Definitely check out Bud on Instagram and and follow his cause. Let's do some hitters for the week and books if you guys got one. I will say right up front, I do not have a hitter. I've been listening to Sturgill Simpson's Bluegrass album. It is not for working out, <laughs> but very good if you're driving down a country road. Dan, what do you got? I'm going back to the Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly well because I'm not can't stop. I, I'm not stopped listening to this album. And it's very rare this day and age where I just get an album that I just kind of listen to over and over again. But my ex's best friend, my Machine Gun Kelly, we're going in. It's awesome. It's a great song. It's a great song. It's a great album. God bless him. Uh, by the way, do you know the uh, Bud song, The Cult of Personality? Do you know whose wrestling entrance that was? No. CM Punk. Was it? The CM Punk. That's why That's why I got so excited. Well, it's a great song, but yeah, that's the punk. I'm pretty sure that's the punk intro. Yeah, Alright. What do you got, Rob? I got Dirty Heads and Villain Park. Not typically gym music, but they got a single out called Bum Bum that got me feeling a certain kind of way this week. Like that. Cool. Well, any books, guys? Or are we done reading? I think we're all over reading at this point. We we gave all the books we've ever read, and nobody's read a book since. So, I did. Oh. I I started a book. Can we do a? Can we do? A, I started a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do that, and then I have one more thing that I want to chat about. I started Lifespan by David David St. Clair. 
he was somebody I heard on Rogan. He's a PhD from Harvard who studies kind of life expectancy and he's trying to drastically increase the life expectancy of human beings with his research. The book is a little dense. I actually been, I gave it to my dad as a gift and my dad, you know, again, kind of fell off of it a little bit. It is very dense, but I'm trying to plug my way through it. And he's got Sounds awful. Oh, dude, I, I'm bored talking about it. Sorry. It sounds terrible. Let me, <laughs> let me stretch things. So I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast, a rival pod of ours, I would say, and he had <laughs> Russell Wilson on. And Russell Wilson says he's paying a million dollars a year for body work. He does body work, either PT, stretching, whatever, with a professional, 363 days a year. And he's talking about how he owns two hyperbaric chambers. So I want to hear, for one, what the actual hyperbaric chamber does. And then secondly, is, is this what professional athletes are doing now? Is this why they're so different? This is why Matt Frazier is Matt Frazier. Like, I, like I'm assuming so many people are, are this level of, you know, touched by, by people like you. Yeah, I think it all started with when it came out, LeBron was spending close to the same amount yeah. taking care of his body every year. And you just look at, like, you could argue all day whether like MJ or LeBron, but the thing you can't argue is LeBron's been doing it longer than anybody, right? Like he stayed pretty healthy through his career, played a long time. And I mean, whether a 15 year prime, a 15 year prime is unheard of. Like no one can do that. And whether or not like him doing all this prehab rehab body work and all this extra stuff is lending to that, or it's just LeBron is LeBron. We don't know, but he's kind of set the model that everybody has to to follow now. I mean, I, the science doesn't say for sure that's what it does, but I mean, that's, that's the guy who's kind of set this pace. I will say too, and this is one of the things I think Kobe was very underrated for. Kobe had developed a relationship with a certified physical therapist. And I think she works for the Lakers now, but he was with her 24 seven and was really, I think underratedly kind of doing similar things to LeBron. But yeah, I did hear that interview with Russell Wilson. I'll be curious to get your take. I, I was always told that the hyperbaric chamber was kind of bullshit. And the reason being, and I, I think there is some low level studies that it can help for a traumatic brain injury and concussion. But your body absorbs, so there's only X X percentage of oxygen in the atmosphere, and your body absorbs close to 100%, especially if you're a freak athlete like Russell Wilson. So what the hyperbaric chamber does is give you a 100% or very highly highly oxygenated air at a percentage that's much higher than the Earth's atmosphere. But your body can only absorb so much. So you've already hit your saturation point. So what's that more oxygen going to do to you? Maybe at some weird level in the brain, it does something, but uh, I'd be curious to get your perspective. Is there much research you know about on that, Rob? That was what I was taught. Yeah. Full disclosure. I don't know much about the hyperbaric chambers. I can't give you the science background on it. You guys got to start giving me. There is. There is. A time so I can do a little lit review. That's the second time you called me with my pants down tonight. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this though. In the lit review we did do, I remember back in the day, it is good for wound healing, right? For like diabetic ulcers, for people who are heavy smokers, because they can't absorb. Like if you can't absorb oxygen, you know, if you have a lung condition, if you if you have a condition where you can't absorb oxygen the way a normal human being like we can, then you could benefit from a hyperbaric chamber. But I think if you're Russell Wilson or or uh, LeBron James, I don't know how much it's going to help you. Maybe in your head. Right. You can just do what Marshawn Lynch did, right? Run through, a, run through a motherfucker's face. That's all he did. Ace of Skittles. Skittles. Yeah. Talk some shit. Yeah. All right, boys. This has been a blast. Great episode, in my opinion. We got another good guest next week. We're just going to keep it coming. Anything on the way out? Have a great week, boys. Yeah, take care. Peace.